Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings at Walt Disney World. I'm Carrie Hayward, and each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, I am speaking with Aviana Collins about her wedding at the Wedding Pavilion with a reception at the Grand Floridian Ballrooms. Aviana was one of the first people married at Walt Disney World after it reopened in October following the COVID-19 closure. And today we are going to hear all about what it was like to have a wedding in this new environment. So welcome, Aviana. Thank you. How's it going? It's great. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Well, I would love to start at the very beginning and find out how you and your fiancé decided that you wanted to have a Disney wedding. It's actually kind of a funny story. We actually were working together. We worked at another amusement park in Charlotte Carowinds. Um, That's actually how we met. But, you know, people always, we weren't even engaged at the time, but we were dating and people were always joking. We're like, oh, when you guys get married, like, you need to get married to Disney. You need to get married to Disney. I was like, that's ridiculous. That's crazy expensive. There's no way that's ever going to happen. And um, a friend of ours was like, no, like, look, there's packages. Like, it's a fort. Like, look. And then we just started doing some research and it was kind of like, I was on board first. And uh, he was a little iffy. I literally made a PowerPoint presentation to convince him of why we should have a Disney wedding. And then he was totally on board since then. So That's awesome. Now, was the day that you ended up getting married the day you originally planned or was it pushed back? It actually was the day we originally planned. We kind of like held out and held out and held out hoping that it was going to happen. So it actually did work out, thank God, because it was kind of scary. Towards the end, we were like 30 days out, and she was like, okay, well, they came out with these like guidelines, but they still may come back and say, oh, we're not doing October weddings either, or we're canceling through then. So it was very like <laughs> iffy for a while, but we just kept holding out, and so it ended up being the exact same date. Wow, that's amazing. Now, how did you originally choose this day of the week and time of day for your wedding? A lot of it was cost, to be honest. And also, like, our family's not big party people. So we were like, well, a morning brunch kind of thing would be great for us. So that's kind of where we decided that I really think by at the end of the day, like, as much as we ended up doing and all the extra stuff, we probably could have done it any day, any time. But it also worked, too, with people's work schedules to be able to do it towards the end of a weekend where they could travel and then travel back if they needed to go back to work. So. I see. And how many guests did you invite and how many were able to make the trip? We invited uh, about 40, 45, maybe tops. And then I think it ended up being 37 and then us two that ended up coming. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, when we knew a few people weren't going to be able to go just because of different situations or finances or even just being worried about COVID, a lot of our older family members didn't want to go because of that, which is totally understandable. But we always just had like a close-knit kind of family. So that was just our original guest count to begin with. So either way, we were under 50. That's great. You had such a great turnout. Yeah, (laughs) it was. Now, how did you choose your original ceremony and reception venues? 
We always had the wedding pavilion. We went there actually after we got engaged. We, we got engaged down there at the beach of the Polynesian. And then we had a meeting later that week. And we'd kind of seen it from across over there. And then when we had our meeting, we had a few places we looked at. But as soon as we walked into the wedding pavilion, we just knew that that was it. It was just such a gorgeous setting. And we felt like it didn't need a lot to become like that magical place. So we were always settled on that. And then our reception area was supposed to be the White Hall Room and patio, which we liked because of the big windows and the fact that you could kind of be indoors, outdoors. But then, because obviously of the restrictions and COVID, they said that, you know, we couldn't do that and it had to be moved to another location for spacing. Got it. Okay. So now we are going to go into the section I'm calling the COVID-19 FAQ lightning round. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you every single question that you have been asked or I have seen people ask about how sure. weddings are working with COVID-19. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Get ready. <laughs> First of all, when and where were your guests required to wear masks? Guests were actually required to wear masks at all times sitting in the ceremony, at the reception, unless they were eating or drinking at their table. If they were to get up and go to the bathroom or go get on the dance floor, they should have been wearing a mask, essentially. I see. How did they communicate that to the guests? Disney kind of sent out like a waiver beforehand that people were required to sign that were over the age of 18. But really, we kind of explained to them that that was required. Although they kind of probably had an idea since the parks were requiring masks and things. And a lot of them did ask anyway, even though we kind of started explaining it to everybody and sharing it with like our friends and family that were coming. Just to ensure that everybody did, in fact, have a mask and knew that they should be wearing one. And we did actually have some little like masks that we made in a little bag that we gave out at our reception. Which they were okay with as long as we gave them out. And so then they had a mask regardless. Oh, that's great. Did they have assigned seating for your guests in the wedding pavilion? Yes, they did. They had assigned seating for that as well. And then they helped us kind of determine how to space it out the best way. But we just kind of gave them like a rough layout and then she adjusted it. Um, our planner did and sent it back to us to make sure that we were okay with where exactly people ended up being once they spaced them out. Interesting. And then did they have a seating chart or did they have somebody directing people? Yes. So originally, like we wanted my brothers to kind of be a little bit like ushers and bring people in. But um, they said that we couldn't do that. I had to be a Disney cast member. And they were there um, with the seating chart and directed people to their seats as they came into the pavilion. Interesting. Okay. Now, did the bridal party and the officiant have to wear masks during the ceremony? They did. Yeah, they were not able to remove those masks at any point. And I believe we had a very small party. Um, it was just a uh, maid of honor best man. But they told us that if we had any more than that, then only, I think, maybe three people could stand up there, I believe was a requirement or something. And the rest would have to sit. So if we had like six or seven bridesmaids, not all of them would actually be able to stand up there with you. Got it. Yet another reason to reduce or eliminate bridesmaids and groomsmen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you didn't already have a reason. <laughs> now, were your family members allowed to stand next to you without masks on when you took photos? So originally they told us that they were going to like space people out six feet apart, but the way that they did the camera, it wouldn't look like that. But when we got there, we kind of found more. It was like the photographer set everybody up. And everybody had their mask on. And then when he was about to snap the photo, he said, okay, take off your masks. Everybody took off the mask, took the photo, 
snap, snap, snap. And then he was like, okay, we're done. Put it back on. And then the people who were moving out of the photo put it back on. Anybody that was staying and wasn't moving could leave their mask off. Interesting. Okay. Including the bridal party? It wasn't just family? Yes. Yeah. Including the bridal party. Like that was fine for that, I guess, but they just didn't want them walking down the aisle or just standing up there with that mask, I guess. Interesting. Okay. Now, in which locations were you and your husband allowed to take photos with masks off? So we were actually pretty much allowed to take photos without a mask pretty much anywhere. We did it like in our before photos, after the ceremony, and even at Picture Point now, they said that that was okay. And previously, they had told us that that was like a no-go. We couldn't do photos out there without a mask. And then, surprisingly, we had the Cinderella's Courage as well. Our My grandparents kind of surprised us with that. And they let us do that without masks as well. So that was really cool. Oh, wow. For the whole ride? Yeah, for the whole ride. They, um, they didn't tell us to put them back on, you know. And I, I kind of like expected them to, but they didn't. So I was pretty grateful about that. That's great. Now, at the reception, how were the seating arrangements modified from what you originally had? So originally, we had maybe like four tables of eight to ten people, since we didn't have that many people. And most of them are close family, so they were would, be, would have been okay sitting next to each other and in order also to fit inside the White Hall room. But because of the restrictions, they said that there could be only, there could be up to ten if they were in the same family or travel party but only five if not so essentially we ended up like doubling our table amounts and basically put about five people at every table unless like we knew okay so and so came with this person's we know we can't split them up because it's their kid or their this or that and then that would have been a travel party there so we ended up having eight tables instead of four which was fine and they kind of helped us negotiate our budget as well because I know that's a lot for brides too if like you've paid for all these centerpieces and things and this is what you're expecting to pay and now you have to pay for x amount more tables it's you know not something expected but they really worked with us to get it to where we needed it to be as far as our numbers and money that's good and then so this with single people as long as there were five or fewer it was okay if they were all in different households right yes that's what they told us as long as there were five or fewer because they could kind of spread them out around the table because it was the big like nine foot round so they were able to put them all like spread out and things like that so then how did the buffet and the bar work with the new restrictions so we didn't have like a full bar at all but cash bars are not allowed because we did discuss that option at one point because they're not doing cash or something and they don't want people congregating but the buffet essentially was just like a plexiglass short table with maybe three options per booth. And they maybe had two or three booths set up based on how many options of food that you had around the room. And then they kind of dismissed by like table and said, oh, you guys can go grab your food. And people would go up and tell them what they wanted from that station. They would create that plate for them, set it on a smaller like round table next to the buffet. The guests would grab that plate and then take it back to their table. But if they wanted something from maybe this other station. So if one station had like the saltier foods, like a pasta or something like that, and the other station had Mickey waffles, they'd have to go set down their other plate probably, unless they could carry two, and go get a second plate for that other one. You couldn't use the same plate from the previous station. Interesting. And then were servers taking the drink orders since people couldn't just go up to the bar? Yes. Yeah. So any like other drinks that we had, they would just bring them to the table as guests asked and they would come ask them what they would like to drink and then bring it over. 
kind of went, it was very like table servicey, even though it was a buffet. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Now, how did the dancing restrictions work with the multiple dance floors? So it was kind of weird at first when we saw like the layout. When we actually walked in the room, it wasn't too bad. So basically, since they opened up it into basically the two ballrooms, they had one side that was food and tables. And then the other side was basically our DJ and our dance floors that were spread out. We didn't have to have a mask, obviously, if we were really dancing together. But even like even sometimes we would both still wear masks because, you know, people would still come up to us with their masks on as well. And they didn't really say anything about that. So we did have some like interaction, I guess, with other people. And at first they were saying only you can dance with the people at your table from your travel party, all that kind of stuff. And But I think as long as you're wearing a mask and they weren't really saying much as far as like if you were to dance with somebody from this table or somebody from that table. But most people did kind of stick with the people at their table when they got up to dance. And then they would just pick a dance floor and go to that. So (laughs) Interesting. Did they have a restriction on the types of songs that the DJ could play or a requirement to submit your playlist in advance? So we did submit like a playlist in advance, but we didn't have to submit anything to Disney. But I know it was one of their obviously recommended DJs. So maybe they, you know, shared that with them. But um, we actually did like the Cupid Shuffle or whatever. And I think as long as you have everybody is able to space out, like it's not a problem because you can still be six feet apart and do that dance. Um, (laughs) Even if you're not like particularly on the dance floor. So I think things like that are okay. I just think that they would not be okay with people like gathering around in a group. And then I know that like for the Jewish religion, they said that they couldn't do like that specific dance where they kind of all come together and they're in a circle holding hands and that kind of thing. Like they said that that was not something that people could do. Interesting. And then were you and your family members allowed to remove masks for the ceremonial first dances? Yes, we were. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And then for the rest of the reception, it was pretty much just when you were eating that you could have them off and the rest of the time you wore them. Yeah. So just eating and then every other time is mask on. How about for the cake cutting? So yeah, we were actually able to remove it for the cake cutting. And then I don't know that this had anything really to do with COVID, but they did have this like a step to the side of the cake to do like the part where we kind of do it for each other, like feed each other the cake or whatever. They considered it like a important moment kind of photo op. So we were allowed to remove the mask for that. Okay. Now, how did your makeup hold up with all of this on and off with the mask all day? It actually held up fairly well. I will say, though, I think my mask did not have like a nose wire in it. So it wasn't like completely compressed against my face. So I think that that helps because like when it's compressed against your face and you're talking, then it's rubbing your nose and your chin and um, a couple other places. So that really helped, I think. And so, of course, there's still makeup on my mask, but it wasn't like a crazy amount. It wasn't like covered or anything. Oh, that's good to hear. There was no like line across my face of missing makeup or something. <laughs> Mask face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then another question is, were you allowed to have a guest book? Because apparently that also encourages congregation. So no guest book. But what we actually did was they were okay with this. We kind of found a way around the rules. I know a lot of people have those like guest books where you like drop in a heart or whatever shape, Mickey head, I don't know, whatever into like a wooden thing with like a plexiglass. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Yeah. So what we did was um, at our like welcome dinner, rehearsal dinner, we were allowed to hand out a bag as long as we didn't ask the cast members to handle anything. So we had this little bag. We put hearts in there that was for our guest book 
with a Sharpie for each family and the like masks that we made. And they were okay with that because they didn't have to touch anything and it went to each family. And then one of our members of our family just collected all those hearts for us as well and gave them back later, which they said was okay. Like as long as they didn't have to touch anything and nobody was really congregating, it was just like one or so people just came over and brought them throughout the night. So it wasn't like a big deal. And so they brought it back to us like the night of the rehearsal dinner. And we just put them in a little bag and brought them back home. What a great idea. And then the last question is, what was the mask situation like at your pre-park opening Magic Kingdom bridal portrait session? Actually, you only had to wear masks in the car on the way there. And obviously, they actually took, came and took your temperature. So the fairy tale weddings photography director, actually, so not even our photographer, it was their director, came, took our temperature, and then like left. <laughs> and then our <laughs> photographer drove us over to the park. But you wore your mask in the car, you wore your mask moving from place to place, but not in the photos. Got it. Okay. Great. All right. So now the regular questions, <laughs> the things people want to know about any wedding. Do you have any menu items or cake flavors you can recommend? Oh, my favorite menu item that we had was um, this like pasta with uh, roasted tomatoes, uh, mushrooms, and like an Osceola cream sauce. It was just very like flavorful. That was one of my favorite things that we had there. I liked having the Mickey waffles too. I thought it was just like a really fun addition. Everybody knows they taste good anyways, but it's just a very fun addition to the menu. And then as far as cake flavors, we kind of went pretty basic because we did like a naked cake. So we kind of had to only decide on like one cake flavor for the whole thing. So we actually went pretty classic with the vanilla, but their chocolate and vanilla buttercream is just like amazing. Very good. (laughs) Can't say enough about it. And some of the other ones to us were just like, almost too rich where we couldn't picture ourselves like eating like a whole piece of cake of that. So interesting. Okay. Did you guys add a dessert party or a welcome party? So we did do kind of like a welcome party rehearsal dinner because we invited everybody. So it ended up being more like a welcome party. It was supposed to be at the beach at the Polynesian, but of course it rained. So our backup ended up being at the ballroom at the contemporary which actually ended up being very nice. And they were very accommodating. They made it happen. And they actually did like upgrade us to a package where we got this specialty drink, like alcoholic drink as well. So that was kind of cool that they were trying to go above and beyond to make, you know, things better with everything that's been going on. And, you know, then of course something gets moved again. And it was like our third thing that had gotten moved. So. Wow. And then can you give me a timeline of how the day all fit together? Yeah, so first thing in the morning, lovely early morning for my makeup, uh, about 4.30. Um, that was interesting as well because they had us actually get ready in a very small like conference room area at the Grand Floridian because I was actually staying over there anyway because they said that you couldn't have like the hair and makeup person and all your bridesmaids and things, and I didn't even have that many people. So I imagine that that is probably something that they'll be asking brides to do as well, but they'll probably direct how they want that done I guess depending on what you're saying but got ready was done about 7 30 and then I'd requested bellhop services to bring me back over to the room because then they wanted us to go get ready in the room I guess so not actually put the dress on and where we got our hair makeup done which is fine so that's what I did and that was kind of hectic because by the time I got over there um we had 15 minutes to like put the dresses on and get downstairs <laughs> So that's the only problem I had with like going to the ballroom to get ready and then having to go back to the room. It's like 
that little bit of travel time that you really wouldn't take into account or think anything of. Mm-hmm. And it took longer than I thought. We um, had like a little like van for transport, I guess, for that part of the day. And then they took me over to the wedding pavilion and they kind of had some people holding outside, but groom was actually held in Frank's studio. I believe he'd already had his photos done and they took me directly to the pavilion to get my pre-ceremony photos done as well. And then by like, 9, 9.15, they had me in the bride's vestibule. They moved groom to the little groom's vestibule thing over there or something. He actually could only be in there by himself. He couldn't have anybody in there with him. Um, but I could have one person with me. So that was kind of weird, too, to him that he kind of had to sit there, like, by himself for a little bit. Hmm. Um, and then they brought in all the guests to the area. And then our ceremony started. And after the ceremony, then we were actually surprised, like I said, with the Cinderella coach. And... We did like a little like loop around there um, and then they took me into France with my mom to do almost like a little bit of a staged getting ready kind of thing of her fixing some stuff so that we still had those photos together because I know a lot of brides are worried about like not having the getting ready photos but they made something happen where you can have some stage something especially like like with your mom or somebody special to you I know that's important. Then we headed over to our reception which was nice too. And they helped us kind of get situated over there. They let the guests come into our reception room after we got to see it, which was cool. We got to see it before anybody was in there. Hmm. And yeah, and then we enjoyed our reception and it was a really good day overall, I think. That's wonderful. When you were planning, what were some of the most important aspects where you focused your attention or your budget? Uh, We really focused a lot on our photography, I think, because when in Disney, you know, that's your documentation of it, of the day. So, like, we really wanted to do the Magic Kingdom session, and we also just wanted, like, these big, dramatic kind of photos in addition to the typical, like, wedding party, like, photos, Um, what our photographer liked to call the mom and dad photos, (laughs) or mom and dad, so... Um, And then we had those other dramatic photos too. And our photographer was really great about getting those for us. And that was really important that we had somebody that could capture that. And then the only other place that we really did focus our budget was the reception and just making it feel like special and, you know, added some extra like little elements on the tables and things. Uh, Renting like the special different chairs, like the Shivari chairs versus like the typical banquet ones. And that's where like a lot of our budget went, honestly, is to decorating the reception room too. Got it. And then what aspects were less important where you saved your money or your effort? We actually ended up really like saving our money or effort, especially on like it ended up being more like the pre-reception, um, especially when they had us add those extra tables. We kind of were like, well, then you know what? Do what you have to do in the pre-reception, but then just put the money towards the reception because I don't want to have empty tables and things like missing or, you know, it not feel complete. So that's really like something we were like, well, I mean, people are only going to be in there for a little bit. It doesn't matter. And then we did also save a little bit. Didn't care as much at the time about transportation. We actually, we were going to have a limo at first, but um, then Josh's grandparents wouldn't have been able to ride with him over to the ceremony space. And, you know, it was kind of hard for them to travel because they flew down. They didn't have a car. So we did the van and said that could accommodate more people because the limo could only accommodate four. So that wouldn't have been enough to have himself, his parents, and his grandparents with him. So it was more important for us to care for our family than to care about what our transportation looks like, I guess. Right. Yeah, for sure. So what ended up being your favorite memory of your wedding day? I think my favorite memory, and probably Josh too, because we were talking about this the other day, 
was being surprised with that coach because, you know, we had let go of some other things and had said like, oh, you know, this is too much, too expensive. Like, we'll just, you know, bypass that. But my grandparents somehow made it happen and they actually weren't able to make it to the ceremony. They made it down to Florida and my grandpa was actually really sick when he got down here. So he didn't get to make it. So it actually made it like just a really special, I get like teary, I think about it, um, like representation of them being there and because they were part of the way we were able to make this wedding happen in the first place. So it was just really special to have that. And then to have that few moments together too, um, riding over to the reception area. It was also cool too, because kind of, you kind of feel like a little bit like a celebrity riding over there because the, everybody's looking at you while they're waiting for their bus or they're out and about. And it was just a really cool experience. Can't say enough about it. That's wonderful. Is your grandpa okay now? Not sure. He's still kind of in the hospital. They're working on getting him transferred back to where he lives, like at home. Um, but um, I was able to get a video too. One of my friends was taping and we were able to go over there and show it to him. So that was like good too. So he still got to see it. Oh, well, that's good. So did anything go wrong or just not turn out like you expected? I think the only thing that really went wrong was when I first came over to the ceremony space. They had all these people outside, and I guess it's because they didn't know where to put them. And they also had, like, some people, like, of Josh's family, like, in frocks. Like, like they were kind of peeking out the windows and stuff. And, like, I kind of got a little upset because I didn't want anybody to see me before the wedding. There's only, like, 37 people coming. If they all see me now, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> it's, not a big, it's not a big shock, you know, walking down the aisle. So that was kind of, like upsetting because we had let the player know that and we reminded her again right before I got into the van to even come over there hey if anyone doesn't want anybody to see her so just like please remind her of that like that's what my mom literally said to her so that was kind of upsetting and I know that they probably didn't have anywhere to put them because they can only have so many people in whatever room because of COVID and this and that but that was kind of upsetting and then we'd also asked that people were told not to have their phones out during the ceremony like taping and recording, like we have a photographer for a reason. We spent our money there on the photographer for a reason, but that was also not related to them. So as I was walking down, I just kind of noticed a little bit, you know, everybody had their phones out. So that was kind of a little bit frustrating, but like it was easy to let go because then I was more focused on like the moment and walking down the aisle. But just those kind of like little things that like I'd requested, they kind of seemed to get overlooked. And I know that it's very hard, I'm sure, with all our restrictions and they're trying their their best to make the wedding happen. But yeah. Right. Okay. And then was there anything that seemed like a big deal beforehand and then turned out not to be? I think like the phone thing for me was like, it seemed like a really big deal at the time. (laughs) And I was really upset about it. But then I was like, you know what, honestly, like, it was just that split second when I walked in. But then once I saw Josh, it was like, Oh, uh, well, I don't really care about that. Whatever. Like I'm walking down the aisle, I'm getting to bring my best friend. And so it didn't matter that much anymore. <laughs> Is there anything you would have done differently knowing what you know now? I don't really think there's anything that I would have done differently. I think the day ended up being more than we could have asked for, especially with everything going on. The restrictions seemed a lot more intimidating on paper than in action. I will say that. Well, that's good. Do you have any other tips or advice for future couples, maybe those who are worried about the COVID-19 restrictions at Disney right now? I think just be patient. You know, I know a lot of them are like really concerned because they haven't heard back from so-and-so or it's very hard to communicate, but they're going to make your day special. They're going to make it happen. It is Disney. And, you know, if there's anybody I trust to make my wedding magical during all this, it's them. And 
like I said, the restrictions are a lot more intimidating on paper than in person when you're there, at least for me. Um, I know it may be a little harder for those that are wanting a big nighttime party and lots of people and dancing and things, but it will all work out. It's just a matter of being a little patient and really looking at what's important to you. That's great advice. Well, Aviana, I think you've offered a lot of great tips and advice for anyone who is interested in having a Disney wedding and those who are already planning them and might be affected by the COVID-19 pandemic restrictions. So I appreciate your taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad I could share my experience and hopefully help some other people as well. That's our show for today. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward, inviting you to join me again next week for another episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. In the meantime, send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show site, DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at fairytaleweddingsguide.com. <laughs>